Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Meet him, greet him, treat him, and street him. Today's date is March 6th, 2018, and I am your skeptical host, Ken Milne. The title of today's podcast is Don't Let It Bleed. TXA for epistaxis in patients on antiplatelet drugs. And our guest skeptic is Dr. Justin Morgenstern. He is an emergency physician and the director of simulation education at the Markham Stouffville Hospital in Ontario. He is the creator of the excellent FOMED project called First 10 EM. Welcome back to the SGM, Justin. It's always a pleasure to be here, Ken. Well, we have some exciting news. What's up? Well, there has been such a tremendous response to the AEM SGM Hop series that we're going to do this every single month. Well, every month? Every month. We're going to try to shorten that KT window down from over 10 years to less than one month with the power of social media. That's great news, Ken. This is a great series. I absolutely love the combination of traditional academic publication and the speed and openness of FOMED. I'm so happy that AEM has been so supportive of this project. They have been extremely supportive. And in addition, we're going to bring in a third guest skeptic, Chris Bond. He is going to join the SGEM Hop rotation. Chris is an emergency physician and clinical lecturer at the University of Calgary and has his own FOMED blog called Standing on the Corner, Minding My Own Business. But let's get on with this SGEM Hop. Give us a case. So we have a 77-year-old lady. She has known coronary artery disease, and she's on both clopidogrel and aspirin because of a stent that was placed about four months ago. She has epistaxis, and it hasn't stopped despite 20 minutes of well-applied anterior pressure. As you're getting your equipment ready, she tells you this is her third episode of epistaxis, and she's really hoping there's some kind of alternative to that anterior packing that she had to undergo the last two times. Well, about 60% of the population will experience a nosebleed, and there seems to be a bimodal distribution, less than 10 years of age and over 60 years of age, with the majority of those refractory hemorrhages seen in the elderly, and in more than two-thirds of the time, no causes identified. Now, anterior bleeds are a lot more common than posterior bleeds and often occur at the Kesselbach's plexus. It's usually pretty easy to diagnose anterior versus posterior epistaxis with just direct visualization. Yeah, you just look in the nose and, yep, I can see it bleeding there. There are many causes of epistaxis and a variety of treatments. For the adult management of epistaxis, there's something called the Dundee Protocol. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can review the protocol. And if the patient's on anticoagulation, the American College of Chest Physicians has published some evidence-based recommendations in 2012 on anticoagulation therapy. We'll summarize some of those recommendations uh, in the show notes as well. But really today, our focus is on TXA. Yeah, we're talking about TXA today. And it's a synthetic derivative of lysine that inhibits fibrinolysis and thus stabilizing clots that are formed. TXA has been widely used in elective surgical cases and has shown decreased need for blood transfusions and reduction in mortality. So it made sense to look at it for treating epistaxis. Zahedidol, and that's the same author as we're going to discuss today, did a randomized controlled trial in 2013 on using TXA for the treatment of anterior epistaxis. They excluded patients on anticoagulation medications, but not those taking antiplatelet drugs. Yeah, and we reviewed that randomized clinical trial on SGEM number 53, Sunday Bloody Sunday. And the bottom line was that for patients with anterior epistaxis, consider soaking the packing in TXA to stop the bleeding and get them home sooner. 
The SGEM also reviewed the use of TXA in the CRASH-2 trial on SGEM number 80 with Anand Swaminathan. And coming up soon, we have an episode reviewing that paper on TXA in postpartum hemorrhage. But what's the clinical question for this SGEM hop episode? So in patients taking antiplatelet medication who present to the emergency department with epistaxis, does topical tranexamic acid result in less bleeding than standard anterior nasal packing? And the reference, the same authors, right? Yeah, this is ahead at all. Topical tranexamic acid compared with anterior nasal packing for treatment of epistaxis in patients taking antiplatelet drugs, a randomized control trial in AEM, of course, March 2018. Yes, it is. Hot off the press. What was the population? So they're looking at patients taking antiplatelet medications, aspirin, clopidogrel, or both, with epistaxis that is continuing despite 20 minutes of pressure. And here's the patients that they excluded. A traumatic epistaxis, anticoagulant use, inherited bleeding disorders, inherited platelet disorders, an INR of greater than 1.5, shock, a bleeding visible vessel, renal disease, or lack of consent. Tell us about the intervention. So they did an anterior pack here with a 15-centimeter cotton pledge that had been soaked in 500 milligrams of the IV form of tranexamic acid, and it was left in place until the bleeding stopped. And what did they compare it to? So they compared it to an anterior packing with cotton pledget soaked in epinephrine and lidocaine, and that, that was left in place for 10 minutes. And then they did another anterior pack that was left in place for three whole days. All right, let's run through their outcomes. What was the primary outcome? So they were looking at bleeding at 10 minutes. And their secondary outcomes? They were looking at epistaxis recurrence, both at 24 hours and seven days, ED length of stay, and patient satisfaction. And I mentioned earlier, this is an SGEM hot off the press, so we always like to reach out to the lead author and get them on the show. Unfortunately, I was not able to get in contact with Dr. Riza Zahed. If we are able to get a hold of them after we've recorded this, Justin, I will do post-production magic and put them into the show itself. But for now, you're going to have to deal with me reading the author's conclusions. And they were... In our study population, epistaxis treatment with topical application of TXA resulted in faster bleeding cessation, less rebleeding at one week, shorter ED length of stay, and higher patient satisfaction as compared with anterior nasal packing. End of quote. All right, let's run through the 11 questions for an RCT. The study population, are these focused on ED patients? Yes. And the patients, were they adequately randomized? Yes. Did they conceal the randomization? Yes, they did. Did they analyze the groups to which they were randomized? Yes, it was intention to treat. Did they recruit them consecutively? Well, no, they tried, but there were a high number of exclusions due to lack of consent. And were both groups similar with respect to prognostic factors? Yes. Was everybody unaware of group allocation? No, they specifically did not blind this trial. All right, were the groups treated equally except for the intervention? We're not sure. Other treatments such as cautery weren't commented upon. And was the follow-up complete? Yes, it was. Do you think they included all patient-important outcomes? I think so, yes. And the treatment effect, was it large enough and precise enough to be clinically significant? Yes, it was. All right, let's go through those key results. They randomized 124 patients into the trial with a median age of about 60 years with slightly more men than women included in the study. But give us that primary outcome. So more patients had their epistaxis stopped in 10 minutes when being treated with TXA. Okay, let's give a little bit more detail on that primary outcome. 
Absolutely. So the rate of bleeding cessation at 10 minutes was 73% with the TXA group and 29% with the standard packing group. So that's an absolute difference of 44%. I'm going to do this math in my head, Justin. You ready? That's a number needed to treat of two. Two, that absolute difference of 44%. Pretty incredible. An NNT of two. Let's go through the secondary outcomes. How about their 24-hour rebleeding rate? So it was 5% with TXA, 10% with control. So you'd have half, half the number of people rebled at 24 hours. What about the one-week rebleed? Still only 5% with TXA, but 21% with control. Wow. Okay. How about ED length of stay? So 97% of the TXA group was able to leave the emergency department within two hours as compared to only 13% of the controls. That kind of caught my eye, that we could get rid of almost 100% of people within two hours with the TXA versus just over 10% with the traditional treatment. How about patient satisfaction? Did they seem to like the TXA? They say they like TXA more. They rated it 9 out of 10 in the TXA group as compared to only 4 out of 10 with the anterior packing. We always have to consider adverse events. They do not report any difference in serious adverse events. All right. It's time to talk nerdy to me. And we've got five questions that we're going to throw out there and comment upon. And hopefully, hopefully we can get a hold of the lead author and they can respond. But until then, Justin, let's just run through those five points. Sure. So the first thing I noted was a potential for bias. There may have been selection bias in this study. Of the 384 patients that they approached to try to get enrolled in the trial, 92 of them were excluded because the patients didn't want to provide consent. And it's also unclear how many total patients were screened. We don't know how many patients had their initial bleeding stopped with just 20 minutes of pressure. And another possible source of bias in this study is the lack of blinding. They said blinding was not possible due to the different numbers of plagettes required for the anterior nose packing and the difference in color, smell, and consistency of the medications used. However, the outcome assessors were blinded to group allocation. The second point we wanted to make was about a straw man comparison. The study used bleeding stopped at 10 minutes as their primary outcome. And standard anterior packing is usually really not supposed to stop bleeding at 10 minutes and requires time to develop a stable pack. So would a 24 to 48 outcome have been a fairer comparator? It may have been more fair, although from a clinician-oriented outcome, I like bleeding to stop early. Oh, yes. And in the emergency department, that's why that ED length of stay grabbed my attention of 97% versus 13%. But when you did look at that 24-hour rebleeding rate, the TXA still did do better with 5% versus 10%. And you led us perfectly to point number three. So when they present their ED length of stay numbers, they just present them as the percentage of patients who left by two hours. But it's really difficult for me to tell was the difference really important? So for example, if most people in the TXA group had left at one hour and 55 minutes, and most people in the anterior packing group left at two hours and 10 minutes, I'm not sure that's a, a big difference. To tell you the truth, even when I'm packing patients, almost all the patients I see are leaving in less than, than two hours. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you picked up there because we'd really like to have a little bit more granular detail on that. Where did those people fall? Was it just under two hours and the other group was just over two hours? So it looks significant because when they looked at that length of stay of two hours, and I have to agree with you, most of the patients that I see that I've treated and packed are out the door in two hours. But since their first study was published, 
I'm quite often using TXA on these simple anterior nose bleeds. But this leads me to question four about who is doing the packing? I mean, technique is probably more important in outcomes after anterior packing than it is with just soaking something in TXA and shoving it up the nose for 10 minutes. And in this procedure, they were primarily done by trainees, PGY2s and PGY3s. That could have impacted the generalizability of this to more experienced providers. And it's probably worth noting a little bit the technique that they were using here. So they looked at a primary outcome at 10 minutes, but actually at 10 minutes, the control group had only had lidocaine and epinephrine placed in their nose. The actual anterior pack wasn't placed until after 10 minutes, which is really the device you're using to stop bleeding. And then moving on to our fifth and final point, what other treatment options were used? So this study looked at anterior nasal packing with a cotton plagette. Frequently in epistaxis, multiple treatment options are, are used. Other options would include cautery, epinephrine, or commercial type packing devices. These other treatments were not commented upon in this paper. Well, those are our five nerdy points we wanted to talk about. Now it's time to comment on the author's conclusions and compare them to the SGEM's conclusions. Yeah, we generally agree with the author's conclusions. And how about an SGEM bottom line? So despite some limitations in this unblinded trial, topical tranexamic acid appears to improve some patient-important outcomes in patients who are taking antiplatelet medications who present with epistaxis. And can you give us a case resolution? Yeah, so you discussed this trial on topical TXA with your patient, and she jumps at the alternative. After 10 minutes, the bleeding has stopped. You give her a call a week later to follow up, and she is thrilled. The bleeding did not recur, and she's so happy she didn't have to spend multiple days with that anterior pack in place. And can you apply this research clinically now? Yeah, so using tropical tranexamic acid for epistaxis in the context of antiplatelet use seems to result in faster bleeding sensation, less re-bleeding at one week, and higher patient satisfaction scores. However, I'd really like to know if we always have to wait that initial 20 minutes of pressure or whether some patients might benefit from just going straight to the TXA. You know, my personal practice is to just use a combination of epinephrine, lidocaine, and TXA on every single patient if they're still bleeding the moment that I walk into the room. And I have to say my clinical experience with regards to this is the vast majority of the patients have already had 20 minutes of pressure by the time I actually get to see them in the room. So they've already either been holding their nose or a nurse has put together that fancy clothes peg on their nose using tongue depressors and some tape. And so they've already tried the direct pressure for 20 minutes by the time I see them. What are you going to tell the patient at the bedside, Justin? So I'd say that there's this medication called tranexamic acid that might help stop your nosebleed faster and get you out of the ED sooner. We also think that it makes blood clots stronger, so there's less a chance that you're going to start bleeding again later this week. It does require that I place this piece of cotton soaked in medication in your nose for about 10 minutes. We don't know of any major side effects, so would you like to try it? All right, it's time for the Keener Contest, and last week's winner was Simon McCormick, an EM consultant from South Yorkshire. He knew Prostacil was the first sulfa drug and was discovered by a German physician and chemist, Gerhard Dogmuck, in 1932. Justin, what's the question this week? So I'd like our listeners to tell us, who discovered tranexamic acid? Seems like a very reasonable question to ask. And if you know the answer, then send it to thesgem at gmail.com with Keener in the subject line. 
the first correct answer will receive a cool, skeptical prize. Now it's your turn, SGemmers. What did you think of this episode? Tweet your comments using the hashtag SGemHop. Have any questions? Ask them on the SGem blog. The best social media feedback will be published in AEM. And don't forget, those of you who are subscribers to Academic Emergency Medicine can head on over to the AEM homepage and get CME credit for this podcast and article. We'll put the process on the SGEM blog. All right, there are some other FOMED resources on this. There was a Rebel EM episode and a Core EM episode. So at the end of this AEM SGEM hop episode, we should probably tell everybody if they wanted to meet up with you, see you in person, and maybe even get you a little present for your birthday, you're going to be at the SAEM conference in Indianapolis, May 15th to 18th, 2018. Oh, yes. I'm just getting farther and farther on the wrong side of 50. No presents, just well wishes, and I hope to see you there at SAEM. Thanks, Justin, for doing another excellent SGEM hot off the press. It was a pleasure, Ken. Happy to be a part of this expanding SGEM hop team. And can you read the SGEM tagline? Of course. Remember to be skeptical of anything you learn, even if you heard it on the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Talk to everyone next time. Bye.